The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass away from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, whoever says, you fool, will be liable to a fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first to be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it is said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath. But make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Not by heaven, for it is God's throne. Nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, two weeks ago, I was uh, trying to prepare for the homily and nothing really stuck out to me. This time, after reading the readings, I could probably preach about 20 homilies each half an hour long and just uh, get, get super excited about it. I think partly uh, why these readings are so striking and, and why I get so excited to kind of talk about these things is I think that it's one of the areas that is really misunderstood by most people in the modern church. Now, certainly um, commandments uh, and following the law and having, you know, obligation is something that uh, 
Catholics for a while have been really good at, right? They kind of have the expression, good Catholic guilt, right? Good Catholic guilt, which is, you know, kind of knowing that you've done something wrong, or at least that you should be sorry for something, right? Um, And we can sometimes overdo that, right? And so there's been kind of an aversion to that to a certain degree. And I actually see the exact opposite now in a lot of people, and certainly with myself growing up, that of the opposite of actually having no guilt, saying, well, I haven't killed anybody, so I'm good, right? Um, I don't really understand why I need God's mercy or why it's so important because I'm not bad, right? I, I haven't done anything worthy of, of you know, needing really forgiveness. Um, and, and what we want to say is there's something a little bit more in the middle. And I think that there's also something that powerfully happens when we look at the commandments. A lot of the times when we look at the commandments of God and the teachings of the church that comes from Scripture and from Jesus' Word, it's a lot of the times we can say, well, why is that? You know, I think that this is a better answer, or, or we should do it this way, or, or why, does, why does the church obligate this? And what we'd say is actually by looking into the commandments of God, we actually see in a better way what the human person is made for, by sometimes seeing what the human person isn't made for, and to see the opposite, and sometimes to, to dig into that mystery a little bit more. And so it is something that I get uh, very excited about to be able to talk, and I'm going to try to limit uh, my, my talking to a reasonable homily. Right? The second reading, we, we talk about first uh, this wisdom of God. So sometimes St. Paul's readings can sometimes... Um, you know, they're a little bit uh, different. We find that sometimes they're kind of disjointed. And so uh, there's a few phrases that I want you uh, to really hang on to there. Is that we speak, he speaks not a wisdom of this age. So St. Paul is not speaking of wisdom of this age. Or also what I like to term the wisdom of the world, right? It's not a wisdom that's just of this time period, of just of the world. But he speaks about God's wisdom. Now, God's wisdom that St. Paul speaks about, he says it's mysterious, hidden. So there's kind of a mystery about it, that we don't understand everything about God's wisdom in first glance, right? That it's a little bit more complex. Not com- it's simple, but it's nuanced. It's, it's full. And so it's not easy to understand in first glance. It's a, it's a mystery, But that wisdom is predetermined before the ages. So it's not limited to a specific age, a specific time, a specific world time, right? But instead, it's predetermined before the ages, and it's predetermined before the ages for our glory. That's what St. Paul writes, right? For our glory. And I think this is an important aspect within God's wisdom that's predetermined before the ages. So it's always true because he made us, right? The maker knows how the, the, the human is supposed to work, right? And one of the things that he's given us is he's given us free will. And he, we've meant to work with free will because with free will we're able to authentically love. But also with free will comes with certain problems, right? That we sometimes don't always operate in the way that we're supposed to. Right? And we have the ability to sin and to turn away from God. And that's where the first reading kind of comes in. He says, 
If you choose to keep the commandments, if you choose to live the way that God made you to live, right, in your flourishing, it will save you. It'll save you. It'll save you from what? Well, it says that stretched before you can stretch out your hand, before you is life or death. Okay? Good or evil. Now, whichever, it says, whichever you choose, you shall have. And we say, well, why would we ever choose death? Right? Of course you're going to choose life. Well, but the hard part is, is that we see in our life, if we look at it, is that there are many times where we actually do choose death. Where we choose in our life certain actions, certain things which continue to hurt us, even though that we know that we shouldn't. Right? It's the reason why I had a second helping of French toast with a whole bunch of syrup this morning. Sometimes I don't always choose what's going to help give me life, right? It looks so good, but I know that it's probably not the best for me, right? But yet we choose it anyways. We choose sometimes death in our sin. We sometimes choose not what always is best for us. And, that, and that's a common thing within the human person because we're drawn to low and earthly thing as a result of concupiscence, the wound from original sin, that even though that we're cleansed of original sin, we still have the temptation and the draw towards low and earthly things. And so what do we do? Well, do we just turn away from the commandments and say, well, I can't do it. So, uh, you know, we just have to kind of ignore it and uh, sometimes we get into this um, get into this idea, and sometimes it, it's kind of a, a tempting idea to say, "Well, I can't do it at all, so I'm not going to try to do any of it." And in fact, it doesn't matter what I do, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what I do because Jesus is going to forgive me anyway, so it just doesn't matter. But this is a, a bad interpretation of what Saint Paul speaks about in other places, where he talks about that we're free from the law. When St. Paul is talking about freedom from the law, he's not talking about the commandments. He's not talking about the law of God. He's not saying that, hey, you don't have to follow any commandments. You get to do whatever you want. Instead, he's talking about a freedom from the law that brings death and sin. Um, it's a freedom from the law that binds us to ultimately uh, to, to either, either we follow the law or not. It's a certain freedom that's not a freedom to be able to do whatever we want, but a freedom from certain parts of the law, such as now we can eat pork, which is a really good thing, right? Uh, a freedom from certain obligations in the Old Testament um, that were for a specific time of the law. It also frees us from the law in the sense that mercy is abundant. That now we can be forgiven and fully forgiven in Jesus Christ, but it doesn't mean that we have the opportunity to sin or that it doesn't matter whether we sin or not. Sin still hurts us, whether we know that it's a sin, whether we have uh, culpability for that sin, it hurts us, whether we're culpable for it or not. And it hurts us even if we're forgiven, right? It's still, uh, we suffer from sin because it brings death. Now, God's mercy brings forgiveness, right? And that we're able to overcome it and God can actually work good out of evil um, and that he predetermines our glory. But we don't want to turn away and just say, well, I'm not going to worry about the commandments. In fact, today from Jesus's words, which are so important to be able to understand all of God's mystery is specifically with Jesus's life and what he says. And, and the gospel today is powerful, right? 
It's powerful because it calls us to something so much more. He says, well, uh, you know, it's said to just not kill anybody. But I tell you, even if you're angry with your brother, you're going to be liable to judgment. If you say you fool, you'll be liable to Gehenna, hell. Now that is really difficult, right? How many of us have never been angry, right? How many of us have never been angry with our brothers or sisters or, or other people, right? We, we all experience sin and difficulty in that temptation. But praise be Jesus Christ for his mercy. But it doesn't mean that we turn away from it and just ignore it. We continue to call each other on uh, to a greater uh, love of God. Now, one specific thing that I'd like to talk about to dig in a little bit more uh, with the gospel today is about marriage. I think marriage is one of the greatest difficulties that we have today between the mystery and the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. Today, the wisdom of the age, the wisdom of the world is fighting against the wisdom of God in our understanding of what marriage is. And we can either say, well, you know, the church doesn't really know, you know, marriage has just changed, human, the society has changed, and so, you know, we're not going to just believe in those old, you know, old ideas of marriage. You know, we're, we're, we're new people, right? We, we experience the world differently. Instead, what we want to say is that the wisdom of God is predetermined before all the ages. And it's the wisdom of God that endures. And so what within marriage is within the wisdom of God. And we hear the wisdom of God most uh, succinctly and most clearly and most revealed within Jesus' words. And I think Jesus' words are so incredibly powerful about marriage. We hear about it today, and we hear about it in other parts of the gospel, how clearly Jesus speaks about marriage and what God intended for it. He says, before, you know, at the beginning, it was not so. And another, another uh, part where Jesus is talking about, they, they ask him about divorce, and he says, or not about divorce, but about marriage and remarriage uh, in heaven and different things. He speaks and he says, um, you know, before, you know, it wasn't always so that you could offer a bill of divorce. It was because of your hardness of heart. It was because of your sin that God allowed you to write a bill of divorce. But it wasn't so from the beginning. From the beginning, God made them male and female. And that they might, that man might leave his family and be joined to his wife and that they might be one flesh. And so we see this within God's very beginning of creation, this complementarity between male and female. That there is an equality, but a difference between the two that are made to be joined together for the unity, for the good of the spouses, and also for the procreation and education of children. That God also says, right, be fruitful and multiply. That marriage is ordered towards the procreation and education of children. Not that you all have to have 20 kids, right? That's not the, the, what we're specifically talking about. But that marriage is not a selfish endeavor of just pleasure or just of self-fulfillment but is in fact more rooted at the human experience and what the human person is made for. The human person is not made for just self-fulfillment or self-pleasure or, or just uh, uh, um, in that. It's not self-focused, but actually human people, in order to live abundantly, are actually ordered outwards, outwards to love. 
and to serve and to lay down our life. And that's what the vocation of marriage and all vocations draw a human person to is ultimately a gift of self. And that's a gift of self in serving the spouse and also children. Now, I will give a little caveat here, right? It's important that children do not become the primary other in a marriage. The primary other in every marriage is the spouse, okay? So I see this happen uh, too often, and we see it uh, all the time, where within a marriage, uh, that the spouse's relationship is difficult, right? As, as soon as you have kids, all of a sudden they're pulling you in so many different directions and you feel like you never talk to the spouse again. Um, how, but the most important relationship that you have, the most important person that you're called to love within your marriage is not your children. The most important person in your marriage is your spouse. And that that has to be the primary person and the first person that you love within your marriage actually for the love of your children. Because your children come from that love between the spouses. And it's only in that love that they're able to fully flourish. Children have a right to be raised by their biological mother and father in union. Unfortunately, we know that in brokenness and sin, that doesn't always happen. But that children we know flourish or our most, you know, the best environment for them is with their biological mother and father, right? And so we seek that. We seek to hold that up to help our own, hopefully your own families, but also your friends and your other families, right? To support them in that in whatever ways that you can, to support their love between the spouses as well. Now, um, with, with that um, being said as well, you know, Certainly, there is divorce in this world, but divorce is a wisdom of the age. It's not the wisdom of God. The church does support, in certain cases of abuse, the separation of spouses for a time in situations of abuse. And so, just to know that there, there are times to be separated if that is the case. However, the church never wants to support divorce. Why? Because that's not the way that God's wisdom ordains it. The church does have a a certain process called an annulment, uh, which is what we give reference here. And I always interpreted Jesus' words here. He says, uh, But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. We say, uh, unless the marriage is unlawful, and basically annulments is that investigation. Basically, uh, certain marriages... Uh, have been entered into unlawfully. We say basically they haven't entered or desired to actually be married, and so the sacrament of marriage isn't there. There might be a natural bond of marriage that are there between the spouses, and so the children aren't illegitimate, but there is an unlawful, a non-sacramental marriage that God has enjoined together because the spouses have maybe not been able to enter into that marriage because of previous unions or other, other situations or because they haven't actually entered in desiring the sacrament of marriage. And that consent and free will is important for the sacrament of marriage to be uh, lawful and to be a sacrament in the midst of it all. But we desire all marriages and all unions to be a sacramental union that's joined together by God because, guess what? 
Spouses and marriage need the grace of God, right? Sacraments bestow the grace of God if we use it, if we're open to it, and marriages need it. Need to need that grace of God by the sacramental marriage. But also, I would say, also by bringing God in continually. The sacrament of marriage isn't just done once and then you're good, right? You know everything that you need to know about marriage. And once you've made your vows, you're good to go, right? We know that's not true, right? But you continue to learn, you continue to engage. And one of the most important things that you can do as a couple to love each other is to be intimate and to pray with each other. That intimacy of prayer, which is so incredibly difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to pray yourself, right? And to pray with another person to reveal your, and to share that and invite God into that, that communion is incredibly important. To pray together as spouses. But I think one of the other really important thing within marriage is to continue to invest in it. In what ways? Well, maybe spending time uh, with each other. Uh, But I think also one of the ways is to continue to learn about God's plan for marriage and what plan he has for your life. And one of the ways is scripture, right? To look at the different references for scripture of marriage and the way that he's made it. But also I would say, uh, lastly, uh, with um, different resources. And the one resource that I would uh, suggest to all of you is form.org. Form.org is something that we've mentioned at other times. It's a, it's a resource that the whole cluster has and that's free and offered to you. And so if you have a smartphone, or whosever smartphone that is up there, right? Uh, they can, maybe they already have it, right? Uh, put the form.org uh, app on it and you can log in through Four Clusters Parish from Rice Lake and you can get on free and have access to thousands of resources. And one specific resource called Beloved, which is a series on marriage, is amazing. It's about a half an hour segment, half an hour segments, and I would say an amazing thing to be able to do for your marriage would be able to watch that half an hour segment and then spend some time talking about it after. Uh, I watched two of the first ones uh, yesterday, and they're amazingly well done and really uh, unpack marriage in a deeper way. And so just suggest that to you. If you don't have a smartphone, that's okay. You can also log on to your computer. And if you don't have a computer, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess you'll just have to go and look up the Bible, right? Uh, which is also an amazing resource and pray together and do what you can. And so we just want to continue to offer to you God's wisdom and his plan for your life um, and to say that the wisdom of the age is, is not so wise. The wisdom of God is mysterious and sometimes difficult, but the wisdom of God is the wisdom that we've been made for. And so just encourage you to continue to pray, continue to ask for God's mercy. And we all know uh, that uh, we are self-sin, and that's partly the reason why marriage is sometimes so difficult is because we're living with sinners, right? Um, that in the, in the midst of that. Um, and it's also the difficulty of communion, right? of living with other people. And so we ask for God's mercy, but we continue to strive and ask for his mercy, not just for forgiveness, but also to continue to seek his will and to live his life uh, that he desires to give us abundantly uh, in all things.